Gunfire in Surrey. What we know about a string of shootings in the city, including one at a daycare. You're not allowed to walk down the street having a beer. Why would you be allowed to walk down the street doing hard drugs? It doesn't make any sense. Reaction to the BC Supreme Court decision to put a public drug use ban on hold. All of that wonderful food that we were getting before is now going to the is now going straight to the garbage. Why a service providing affordable groceries to low-income families is on the brink of closure despite soaring demand. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thank you for joining us. A Temple president is trying to figure out why his son's home was targeted this week. The first of three shootings in the city in just three days. No one was injured, but the threat was real. And as Julia Foy reports, police are trying to sort out what's going on. A police car is still posted outside a Guilford area home four days after the garage door was sprayed with bullets. Wood now covers shattered glass windows. It's a very disturbing to the family. The family kids are very upset what's happened. But so far, nobody come forward. Kumar is president of the Surrey Hindu Temple, and he has no idea why his son's house was targeted. We don't have an issue with the, anybody. As I'm president of the temple, and my son, we involved in other businesses, so we have no argument with anybody. On Friday, a brazen daytime shooting happened near 157th and 101 Avenue. When I heard about 10 gunshots. I came outside and I just saw smoke, smoke around the house that was uh, getting shot at. And uh, I just heard the car drive away. It was a, it was a loud car. Yeah, some type of sports car. Police raced to the scene and a suspect vehicle was tracked to Langley, where RCMP members took two men into custody. While there were no injuries at the targeted home, a daycare operates at the back of the house. The manager of the busy Little Bees daycare told Global News Saturday that no children were in the home during the shooting due to a winter break. A witness to the gun attack is still shaken. How unnerving was that? Oh, it was uh, very uh, traumatizing. Uh, might have to take a, double, a couple of days off off work, you know what I mean? Just hours after the afternoon shooting, another happened around 9.30 p.m. and police were called to the 7800 block of 176th Street. A section of the garage door was shattered. Surrey RCMP told Global News that at this time there's no information to suggest they're connected to any of the other ongoing police investigations. Kumar wants the public to help solve the cases. It's a message to the community. They had, everybody had to get together and help the police to find out the culprit who did the job, this one. It's happened today with us. It can happen tomorrow with somebody else. Julia Foy, Global News. Reactions are pouring in after a judge halted the provincial government's law restricting drug use in parks and other public spaces. The law is facing a constitutional challenge and an injunction means it can't take effect until the end of March. Paul Johnson has been out gathering reaction to the decision. With the year coming to an end, what better way to contemplate things than head to one of Vancouver's lovely beach parks and crack a brew? Luckily, I'm drinking a non-alcohol beer, because if it was a real one, right now, I'd be breaking the law. Following the B.C. Supreme Court decision on public use of drugs, 
we set out to show what you can and cannot do. In just a couple of minutes, we scored a handful of powerful Dilaudid pills at East Van's Pill Corner. We got the Dilaudid pills. And when you're using your pill crusher, make sure that you crush the pill up. Taking some tips we got from a provincial video on how to prepare opioids, we crushed up the dillies right outside SkyTrain's waterfront station, outside Vancouver City Hall, and even down at BC Supreme Court. Right in front of the law courts, perfectly legal now. These are people who more often than not uh, don't have indoor places to use substances. Caitlin Shane is the lawyer with the Pivot Legal Society who filed for and got the injunction. While she admits the current state of affairs may seem absurd to some, she believes it's necessary. When people are pushed to use drugs in isolation, that's when overdose deaths spike. Well, it's a victory for Shane and her clients. It's likely headed for a showdown in Victoria. The NDP government says they'll be reviewing their options, and opposition leader Kevin Falcon had this to say. So that once again we're in a situation where you're not allowed to drink a glass of wine or smoke a cigarette in most of these public spaces, but you can openly use heroin, fentanyl, methamphetamine and crack. As for those delauders, our preference was to ditch them. Back at the beach, you could ponder how an adult beverage in many parks in BC can get you a ticket, while hard drug use in public is now the law of the land. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. Vancouver Mayor Ken Sim has issued a statement about the court's decision. He says, we respectfully urge the court to reconsider its decision and allow the province's legislation to come into effect. Our vision for Vancouver is one of a secure and safe city where families can trust that public spaces remain free from drug-related activities and that the well-being of our community, particularly our children, takes precedence. The court's decision has the leader of the B.C. Conservatives threatening to use the Charter's notwithstanding clause. John Rustad says public safety is being undermined by open drug use. He says if Conservatives win the next provincial election, they would bring in police powers to limit open drug use and use override powers if the courts struck those laws down. Our policy around safe supply and decriminalization has been a complete failure. We need to go on a different path. We need to be able to get people into treatment, to a wide range of treatments. We need to have people on a, record, on a road to recovery, not encouraging and supporting drug use out in the open. Almost 60% of the food that's produced in Canada goes to waste, so a small nonprofit in Vancouver figured it was doing its part to stem that tide, collecting donations from grocery stores and selling the food at deep discounts. But now they're feeling squeezed out of the market. Alyssa Thibault explains why. All this food was destined for the bin. They're very edible. There's nothing wrong with them. Maybe some few, a few blemishes here and there. Deemed unsellable by a supermarket, but picked up by Quill Cadden, who runs Vancouver Food Rescue. Instead of that food going directly into the garbage, uh, we say, please, you know, uh, consider donating, donating that food to us because um, there are a lot of people who can, who can use that food. Cadden and her volunteers then create boxes with a week's worth of food and sell them for $50. She says that money is used to cover costs such as transportation, gas, a bookkeeper and storage. We're completely self-sustaining. Our program makes less than $50,000 a year. 
But the $50 cost is also the reason her donations are drying up. Cadden was connected to four local supermarkets through Second Harvest, Canada's largest food rescue organisation. She says she's now been barred from using the organisation's app because Vancouver Food Rescue sells donated food instead of giving it away for free. Only one store is still donating. All of a sudden they contacted the executives or the managers of those Safeways and uh, told them to stop donations to us because we are not compliant with their regulations. Second Harvest confirmed to Global News it does not allow charities to sell donated food, but adds it was the decision of the supermarkets to redirect the food they were donating to other charities when they learned the food they were donating to Vancouver Food Rescue was being sold instead of donated to community members. Coming more from the environmental side, that I'm just appalled at the amount of food waste that is going on. I just don't understand why they can't just let these small organizations continue to function. Cadden says she has around 500 clients, many are seniors who aren't quite at the point of using a food bank. There's a lot of people, you know, who are not that poor, but are hurting a little bit. And this helps. Cadden says she will try to keep operating as long as she can. Alyssa Thibault, Global News. Still to come, rising from the ashes, the community effort to help a father and son near Kamloops after their home was destroyed by fire right before Christmas. And a Victoria theatre is hit with vandalism. What an upcoming play at the venue has to do with it. While the warmer than usual weather might be welcome for some, outdoor enthusiasts might be hoping for some more snow or even colder temperatures. As Victoria Famia reports, winter activities might be lacking this year as conditions just aren't cutting it. Ducks swimming through water that would normally be a sheet of ice this time of year. Yeah, last year, this time we were coming ice fishing, now we're playing with the remote control boats. Usually there's about a dozen or so ice fishers out there and this year there's a guy in a boat. The warmer weather putting a damper on some winter activities as conditions don't really align with winter. I've noticed that a lot of people are waiting. There, there's a lot of chatter, excitement, passion to head out there if you're a snowmobiler, if you're a backcountry skier. The lack of snow and warm conditions already pushed back start dates and limited certain runs at local ski hills. And while that's getting back on track, anything involving ice might be hard to do. Now the recommended minimum ice thickness to stay off would be seven centimeters or three inches or less. We're going to stay off that depth. About 10 centimeters or four inches is when you can go ice fishing, walking, or cross-country skiing. Last year at this time, people were skating and ice fishing here on Shannon Lake in West Kelowna. And this year clearly shows a very different scene with weather so warm. There's not even the slightest bit of ice on the lake. And according to Environment Canada, recent temperatures have been much higher than normal. Uh, for the Okanagan, at least uh, for the last uh, three after Christmas and also today and tomorrow. The daytime highs are about five degrees above seasonal, so we are in a kind of mild temperature uh, condition right now. Well, I've lived here for about 10 years now and I have never seen it like this this time of the year. Victoria Famia, Global News. A family in a remote area near Kamloops is thankful the community is helping them pull through after a devastating fire this holiday season. Their home burned to the ground just two days before Christmas and the family lost everything they owned. Fortunately, as we hear in this story from CFJC News, no one was injured.
It's, it was a collection over years and years. Fred Zanowski and his son, James Smallman, saw their lives changing in the matter of minutes when a fire destroyed everything they owned last weekend. I was actually going to paint. I was making a Christmas decoration with this, this wicked big Christmas tree. And uh, I had a propane heater going in here, and I think that must have caught the roof on fire. James couldn't save much from the house, but he did save his grandmother's life. I threw on my shoes. I went to the back of the house to grab my grandmother. I put her in a jacket, carried her outside up to my auntie's house. I had the shirt on my back and what I was wearing, and that was it. There was nothing saved. The kids saved grandma, which was a good thing. The dogs are okay, kids okay. The rest is gone. You kept everything, I mean. James is starting university in January, which became more challenging under the current circumstances. I got accepted to TRU this year. I'm going in January to get my bachelor's of business. And uh, this is going to make it a little bit harder, but still the plan, still going to figure it out. Aside from losing their home, Fred also lost his ability to earn a living. Well, this is kind of my retirement plan, just sit and work on square body trucks and build trucks and still going to be the same plan, but start over and now we need a shop, now we need a ton of tools, like just so much. A fundraiser has been created to raise money to help the family start over. Um, it's just been kind of overwhelming. I mean, all I can really say to everybody is thank you. I mean, thank you so much. It's more than I ever expected. I have people keep telling me I did as much as I could and you know, I'd like to believe that, but it's tough. I wish I could have saved something else, you know, just one more thing. You don't even know where to start. But like, giving up is start. not an option. I'll be all right. It's going to work out. It has to. I have no choice. I got, you know, still got my mom, still looking after her. Still got the kids. Everything's good. I'm fine. If we don't keep pushing forward, keep going, then everything that the community is doing for us, all, every, everything everybody's giving us, it's all for nothing. We, we have to keep moving forward because that's, that's, that's the only thing we can do. Silvia Sena, CFJC News. Crews have begun demolition of Knights Hall in Cranbrook after the structure was damaged in a fire earlier this month. Fire crews finally got a chance to look for the source of the blaze as it was unsafe to do so while the building was still standing. The hall has stood for close to 100 years. Locals have mixed feelings over its demolition. It was a nice landmark because we're running out of landmarks in Cranbrook. It really is, you know, and uh, I just had to come by to see it because I was born in the hospital here. And when they tore that down, it was like, oh, okay, but, you know, but I just thought I'd come by and take a take a look and see the last of what was there and you know be grateful that it stood that many years. It's so exciting to actually watch it go down for once after fire after fire and everything that's happened there and whatnot. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh no, I'm so thankful. It's about time. A beautiful building, bittersweet, but unfortunately it's time for it to go. It's time. It's still unclear what caused the fire and if there was anyone inside at the time. A theater in Victoria has been vandalized over a play set to take the stage in the new year. Free Palestine stickers and graffiti now cover the Belfry Theater. Protesters are condemning a new play, The Runner, 
which centers around an Israeli volunteer saving a Palestinian woman. An online petition to stop the production has garnered more than 1,000 signatures since it was launched last week. But members of the Jewish community in Victoria say this is just another act of anti-Semitism. We have seen in the world and in Canada and in every major centre, including Victoria, the increase of anti-Semitism since October 7th, since the Hamas attack against Israel. And I, I believe that if the character in the play was not an Israeli Jew, we wouldn't be having this conversation. A counter petition to keep the runner has collected almost 2,000 signatures. A theatre spokesperson says they're listening to community concerns and will make an announcement on the future of the play in the new year. Still ahead, NYE in NYC. Preparations are well underway for New Year's, even in New Year's Eve in the Big Apple. We'll get a preview. Meanwhile, overseas, heavy fighting continues in Gaza with one country now filing a genocide case against Israel at the World Court. Heavy fighting continues this weekend with Israeli rocket fire and tank strikes in southern Gaza. This comes as South Africa has accused Israel of committing genocide, filing an application at the International Court of Justice. We get the latest from Sean O'Shea. Israeli soldiers opening fire inside Gaza. Another day in a brutal conflict, one that included more Israeli airstrikes, including at two urban refugee camps, targeting vehicles, and as its military video shows, striking individuals, as Israel says it aims to wipe out Hamas fighters. But as the bombardment continues, so does the civilian loss of life in Gaza. Gaza's health ministry claims more than 21,000 have been killed there since the conflict began, and that at least 56,000 have been wounded. Now South Africa has gone to the United Nations, asking the International Court of Justice to declare Israel's actions genocidal. Israel immediately rejected the court filing in its words with disgust. But a Palestinian leader thanks South Africa. Israel is committing three terrible war crimes against the people in Gaza. The war crime of genocide, the war crime of collective punishment, and the war crime of ethnic cleansing. Israel's attack on Gaza began after Hamas fighters entered Israel and killed at least 1,100 people and captured more than 200 others. Since then, Israel's retaliation has displaced an estimated 1.9 million Gazans from their homes, more than 80% of the population. United Nations says 40% of those living there face famine. The famine underway is not an undesired outcome of the war. It is starvation as a method of war. The military wing of Hamas claims it's killing Israeli soldiers in battle, releasing this video of strikes on Israeli tanks. And with the Biden administration approving a new emergency weapons sale to Israel Friday, there are no signs the fighting will end soon. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Toronto. Final preparations are underway in New York City ahead of this year's New Year's Eve celebrations. NYPD drones, helicopters and boats will support officers on the ground, keeping tens of thousands of residents and tourists safe at Times Square. Five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year! In New York's Times Square, a rehearsal of the New Year's Eve ball drop following Friday's confetti test, ensuring everything is ready for revelers to ring in the New Year Sunday night. The NYPD is on heightened alert. Thousands of officers will be watching the crowds from the ground and in the air. A massive effort to keep one of the biggest New Year's Eve parties on the planet 
safe. I feel secure. Police everywhere. Yeah, yes. it's a huge presence. We feel, we feel comfortable. This year's celebration follows other New York traditions like the Thanksgiving Day Parade and the Rockefeller tree lighting where protests over the Israel-Hamas war disrupted the celebrations. Those who want to peacefully protest, they have the right to do so, but you're not going to do it at the expense of disrupting those who are coming here to peacefully bring in a new year. Overseas, some 6,000 officers will be on hand as Paris brings in the new year. While in London, preps are underway for their iconic fireworks show. Closer to home, let's go, boys. In Florida, Key West organizers ran a test of its giant heel that descends at midnight. And in Miami, after a three year hiatus, the big orange is ready to be hoisted up during the countdown, all to bring in 2024. Cristian Benavides, CBS News. Surrey Memorial Hospital found itself in the crosshairs of a crisis in healthcare and a booming population. In 2023, the emergency department, the busiest in the province, was at a breaking point and the doctors made the unusual move of going public. Grace Key has the story. It all started with one letter. In May, emergency room doctors described the crisis at Surrey Memorial Hospital. Not enough acute care beds, not enough hospitalists who admit patients to wards causing congested ERs, and doctors being told to keep quiet. In the case of hospitalists, uh, our Fraser Health hospitalists uh, are dealing with an old contract that's out of date, and we're working through those issues with them. Are you concerned they are being gagged? Are they being gagged? No. And with that, an ER doctor at Surrey Memorial Hospital spoke publicly for the first time, describing the backlog. If my family gets sick, I know if I send them to the hospital and they need to be admitted to hospital, there might not be anybody to take care of them for the first 48 to 72 hours because of the hospital's shortage. It was horrible. Horrible. Soon patients came forward to share their horror stories. 89-year-old Veronica Hunter spent 60 hours in the emergency, suffering from extreme diarrhea. Her daughter, a retired nurse, cleaned her in the public washroom and tended to her every day to make sure she was cared for. Please, I don't want to go back. I got to stay home. God help you if you go to Surrey Hospital and you don't have an advocate or a family member. It's a horror show. More letters and voices followed. 36 medical professionals at Surrey Memorial Hospital's birthing unit highlighted insufficient space, lack of nursing resources, patient safety compromised, at least one newborn death and countless near misses. We're all scared to go to work. We all, you know, walk in thinking, what is today going to bring? And it often feels like a battlefield. And uh, I've had many colleagues say that they are now practicing defensive medicine because they're afraid of litigation. Then a third letter. The Medical Staff Association at Surrey Memorial Hospital voicing similar concerns with a message to health care leaders. Your continued silence and inaction on this issue is placing the health and well-being of Surrey residents in jeopardy. Adding if changes aren't made soon, new patients will have to be diverted to another ER. Does that happen often? It doesn't. You know, we as physicians take that very seriously and we don't make it lightly. Um, this is the first time we have called for it. More than three weeks after the first letter and meetings with hospital staff, the province promises a long list of changes with plans to expand Surrey Memorial Hospital. We know that the answers that are often felt in the emergency room 
are really an expression of the need for more community care, the need for long-term care, and better primary care. On all these initiatives, the investments are, have been, and will be massive in Surrey. In their final meeting of the year, the Fraser Health Board chair was asked about the implementation of those measures. And if you just go down the list, all those things are being looked at in terms of improving Surrey Memorial Hospital. Time will tell if changes come soon enough to improve patient care at Surrey Memorial Hospital. As we saw this past year, if changes don't come, doctors will not remain silent. Grace Key, Global News. 2023 was a big year for news in B.C. Join Sophie Louie and Chris Galis for a look back at some of the big stories that made headlines in our province. B.C. Year in Review starting tomorrow on B.C. One. Well, after the break, Yvonne's got the forecast and some good news for skiers and snowboarders out there. It's been a very slow start to the season, but at least one ski resort has a whole lot of snow. We'll tell you where it is. While some ski resorts across the province are begging for snow, Sun Peaks Resort says they're experiencing a winter wonderland. This was the scene from the resort on Friday. It says they have so much snow that skiers are guaranteed at least 10 to 12 runs per day, even more if your knees and body can handle it. Morning fog in the valley caused some disruptions at the Kelowna International Airport. Even at noon, several flights were still delayed. Environment Canada even issued a fog advisory overnight for a large part of the interior. It warned that even highway travel would be impacted by the low visibility. They're saying that the planes can't land because of the uh, fog. We were supposed to leave at uh, 11 a.m. and now uh, it could be like 8 o'clock tonight. Okay, let's bring in Yvonne now with the forecast. Yvonne, another mild day today. <laughs> yeah, and these are some uh, record highs unofficially that have fallen through the day. Just to give you an idea of where we did sit, double digits for many areas. West Van getting up to 14.1. Out of the Harbour, 11.8. Agassiz, 11.8. Pitt Meadows was very similar. Portal Alberti along the island, 11.6. And Qualicum Beach getting up to 12.8. A hot spot across the province and the country today. White Rock getting up to 15 degrees. And for us out of the airport, we got up to 12.2. We were close, 13 degrees. That was set back in 1963. We're well above the average for this time of the year that typically sits at 6. And last year on this day, we saw temperatures getting up to 10 degrees. So it was another mild one today. And we'll be back into the double digits for tomorrow once again. We are tracking some rain. It's light for most areas along the south coast, the lower Mainland. We're currently sitting at 9 degrees. There's that wave of moisture. It is going to start to taper off. Lighter precipitation will take over overnight. We are going to see some drizzle on the mix, and that'll take us in towards tomorrow morning. We've actually got a nice break for along, for areas along the coast, and that's what we'll be tracking, especially getting into our New Year's Eve. So we are going to see a bit of drizzle for the morning hours. Should ease off. We are going to see drier conditions taking us into the New Year and for our New Year's Day. If you are traveling along the mountain passes, though, the areas to note, Rogers Pass could see some flurries, and by tomorrow we could see up to five centimeters the connector between two and four and the area of concern will be along the Kootenai Pass with up to two centimeters this evening risk of freezing rain for tomorrow a bit of a transition 
an additional two and potentially up to four centimeters. Now, along the northern half of the province, a brief break between systems. Temperatures will be up to seven through the day. Another round of rain is going to move in towards the evening. Central interior will climb up to the freezing mark, much of the southern half. For the southeastern corners, we do have some rain mixed with snow with temperatures close to and hovering the freezing mark. Higher elevations, once again, if you're along the mountain passes. Kamloops will start to see a clearing on the way. Whistler will see highs up to five degrees, and most areas across the island will anticipate a bit of a clearing on the way, especially near Victoria. We'll see highs by the afternoon, even up to 10. So we've got that drizzle just for the morning hours. We'll hang on to a fair bit of cloud cover. It does dry out for New Year's Eve. It'll be a dry one and taking us in towards our New Year's Day. A few fog patches in the mix. Temperatures still getting up to 7 degrees. Nice clearing. Breaks on the way will be for a Wednesday with a high up to 9. Travis? More mild temperatures to wrap up the year. Okay, thanks Yvonne. High surf has closed beaches in Southern California and forced the evacuation of some areas. The cleanup continues on beaches from Los Angeles to San Diego. High surf warnings remain in effect. In San Diego, waves as high as five meters are battering the shore, while in Los Angeles, waves are almost seven meters high. On Friday, high waves forced people to run for cover in Ventura County between Los Angeles and Santa Barbara. And the National Weather Service is warning of possible riptides. It was scary, and I have two kids. I have a 10 and a 6-year-old, and the, yeah, the 10-year-old got swept up in one of the waves down Bath Avenue, or Bath Lane. So that was a little scary for us. My husband was watching from the balcony above, so. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Uh are the kids staying inside now or what are you doing differently? Yeah, we're just going to try to leave before it gets, you know, it hits today. We encourage all individuals to avoid the areas of the coast. Currently, all of the coastal beaches are closed. Mm. Serious situation down there. Mm -hmm. He was angry that day. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, uh, hopefully no more people are uh, hospitalized or hurt because of that down there. Uh, Barry, nice to see you. Mm -hmm, good to see you, too. What do you got coming up? Well, uh, the Raptors haven't made the headlines around here for a while because they've had such a horrible year, but they did make a big trade to perhaps change things around. That was the good news. Uh, the bad news, well, well, we'll tell you about that. They were trying to win a game against a team that hasn't won in nine weeks and uh, didn't go too well for them. So <laughs> no matter what the Raps do, it doesn't seem to work out uh, so well for them. Canucks had the day off, but we'll hear from, uh, or at least the night off from uh, playing Rick Tockett in the team practice, and we'll hear from the coach as well coming up. Okay, All looking right. forward to it. Thank you. And after the break, controversy in a new hockey league that's yet to play its first game. Why some fans are calling offside on a video put out by Montreal's pro women's hockey team. Controversy is brewing over a video posted to the social media pages of Montreal's professional women's hockey league team. Some people are accusing the organization of lacking respect for some of the city's population. Phil Carpenter has the story. The video shot in Mount Royal Park was meant to record a special but not public moment for members of the Professional Women's Hockey League Montreal team. I addressed the team right in front of the Belvedere with this beautiful view on the Montreal. Sauvageau says team members had gathered for a special activity. I turned towards Corey because I had addressed the team and I said, could you address the team? Head coach Corey Chevery addressed the team in English. Sauvageau says since the moment was unique, they decided to share it publicly with fans on their social media page. The video was edited with French subtitles, but that was not enough for some fans. 
numerous comments, a small sample is translated to English here, blasted the organization for posting a video in English only, some accusing the team of disrespecting the city's majority francophone population. At least one commenter demanded an apology. Others expressed disappointment. Sauvageau, who is francophone, says the video was not meant to be disrespectful but points out that in professional sports, speaking English to teams is normal. If I would have addressed the team myself, I would have done it in English, like Martin Saint-Louis, you know. She says the situation would have been the same if the Montreal Canadiens decided to publicize a snippet of an inspirational address to the men's team by head coach Martin Saint-Louis. The controversy comes on the eve of the start of the Professional Women's Hockey League's inaugural season on January 1st. Montreal's first ever game is the day after. Some residents who Global News spoke to did not have a problem with the video. Well, I think we have two, two languages in, in Quebec, French and English. And most of the time we speak in French, but we should be allowed to speak in English as well. So. I think it's just uh, an imaginary problem. I think it's okay the way it is. I think um, by the same token, if it was them speaking French and the subtitles were English, would also be um, correct. Yeah, that's how it is in this city. Sauvageau stresses that she is ready to do anything to strengthen the relationship with the Francophone community, but wants to remain inclusive. Phil Carpenter, Global News, Montreal. After the break, Barry's here with sports. The Toronto Raptors shaking things up today. They were in action against the Pistons, but before the game, the team made a major trade, bringing a Toronto native back home. Eventful day for the Toronto Raptors on and off the court. Uh, yeah, you could say eventful is one way to put it, for <laughs> sure. All right, thanks, Travis. Yeah, the uh, Raptors made a major deal today with the New York Knicks that they hope will turn their fortunes around. Toronto acquired local boy R.J. Barrett and shooting guard Emmanuel Quickly and a second-round pick in exchange for O.G. Ananobi, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn. Barrett is just 23, Quickly is 24. Both can help the Raptors' struggling offense. And Ananobi was likely heading to free agency at the end of the year anyway, so it's a great deal for Toronto, I think, as they build around Scotty Barnes in the hopes of returning to being a competitive team. They haven't been that so far. They're just 12-19, and 19, heading into a big game against the hapless Pistons today. Of course, the Pistons have lost 28 straight, tying the all-time NBA record. They haven't won in nine weeks. October 27th, before Halloween, was the last time they won. 2-29 this year. Early on, Raps look good. Pascal Siakam with the jam. Uh, no one wants to be the one that the Pistons beat to snap that long losing streak. But Detroit made a big run in the second quarter. They've been playing better of late. They almost beat the Celtics, lost an OT the other night. Cade Cunningham, beautiful feed to Jalen Duran, 52-44. Detroit at the half. Dennis Schroeder gave Toronto a brief lead in the third quarter, but in the fourth, Detroit motivated to end this 28-game catastrophe. Cade Cunningham with the three. Pistons up eight. Final minute. Pistons with the long inbounds pass to Bohan Bogdanovich, who lays it in. Detroit by eight. And it's over. The Pistons win for the first time in 63 days, holding off the Raptors 129-127, just their third win of the season. You feel good for Detroit, but kind of embarrassing for the Raptors. 
The Canucks are off until Tuesday when they host Ottawa. Canucks in the middle of a stretch where they'll play just one game in a nine-day span. So a chance to get in some much-needed practice time. One area that has dropped off is the power play. They're in a 1-for-14 funk, but they're still ninth overall in the NHL with the men advantage at 23.6%. So it's a concern, but not really. Well, it's an interesting thing. There's a bit of frustration. Um, you know, for me, that. You know, they know uh, we have to work a little bit harder. Uh, but, you know, PD had a great A chance right in the slot and missing that. Brock had a wide open net back door, which he usually scores. One, one of those guys score, all of a sudden, and say, hey, the power play's okay. So I think we got to be careful. I think the execution, we've had some guys had some chances to score, and we haven't. Um, so I think we just got to make sure the frustration level doesn't affect our work ethic. NHL today, Minnesota Wild visiting Mark Scheifele and the Jets. Winnipeg already up one in the first, and they get a hard-working goal to go up by two. It's Nino Niederreiter, who played six of his 12 NHL seasons with the Wild. Second period, it's Niederreiter one more time. This time takes the smart pass from Josh Morrissey, converts his own rebound, 12th of the year for the Swiss forward. 3-0 Jets. Third period, Wild had cut the lead to 3-2, but the Jets get a huge goal from their fourth line. Axel Janssen Fialbi fires home just his second of the year past Marc-Andre Fleury. Jets win 4-2. Winnipeg's sixth overall in the NHL standings, quietly having a great year. Hurricanes and Leafs now from Toronto. First period, former Leaf Michael Bunting giving Carolina the early lead as he squeezes this one through the pads of Martin Jones, the North Van native who is the Leafs' top goalie right now. one nothing Kane, second period, another power play, and another Carolina goal. Seth Jarvis finishing off the feed. That made it 2 nothing Carolina, and it's just gone final. Carolina wins it 3-2. Semifinals from the Spengler Cup in Switzerland, Canada, with former Canuck Jordy Ben taking on Czech club team Pardubice in the semis. Dying seconds of the second, Canada takes the lead. It's Abbotsford's Derek Grant catches the rebound just before the buzzer. Grant had 427 NHL games, mostly with Anaheim, now playing in the Swiss League for Zurich. Third period, one more time, it's Grant steals the puck, shorthanded, and that is a sweet move to go five-hole. Canada in control, up 3-1. That was the score with four minutes to go, but Pardubice got one back, and then with the extra attacker, Martin Kaut beats Aaron Dell five-hole. It's three-all with 1.23 left. Canada's had some bad third periods in this tournament, and it continued incredibly. 44 seconds later, Matej Polovic with the deflection, and Bruce Boudreaux's team suffers an agonizing 4-3 loss, so Canada is out. Pardubice and host Davos play in the final tomorrow. Vancouver Warriors on the road in Denver and having a good start against the Mammoth. Kevin Crowley's got five goals already. They're only in the second quarter, but the Warriors are up 8-4 as they look to even their record at 2-2. Two two. One NFL game today, uh, Detroit Lions at Dallas. Both teams have clinched playoff berths in the NFC. Cowboys battling the Eagles for the NFC East Division title. Dak Prescott got picked off early in the first, but late in the first, avoids the sack and then unleashes the bomb to C.D. Lamb. 92-yard touchdown pass. Cowboys take the lead, and that's where it stands right now. They're at the half. Cowboys 7, Lions 3. Premier League action. Third place, Aston Villa at home to second last place, Burnley. And it's a bit of a barn burner. Burnley down to 10 men, but Lyle Foster out muscles, out hustles the defender, finds the back of the net in the 71st. 
and it's two all. 89th minute. Aaron Ramsey just kicking at the ball here, but he is called for a foul in the box. Debatable. But Aston Villa is a top team now. Maybe they get the benefit of the doubt playing at home against one of the league doormats. Douglas Louise from the spot blasts it under the bar and Villa survives Burnley 3-2. Liverpool and Aston Villa are tied for first with 42 points, although Aston Villa's played one more game. Matt and Chester City at home to Sheffield United. City trying to keep pace with Liverpool and Aston Villa. 14th minute, it's Rodri. Just needs one name because he can do that. Beautiful play. Bulls his way in, fires to the corner, and City get the lead 1-0, and it stayed that way until the 61st, and this is a pretty goal. We've seen this from City so much over the years, just moving it beautifully. Phil Foden will send it over to Julian Alvarez for the sliding finish. Man City back in form after a tough stretch for a couple of weeks. They win 2-0. Their third place, two points behind first place Liverpool in the standings. That is it for sports. Okay. Thanks, Barry. Mm. You ever own a cat? Do you have a cat? Uh, we've had a few of them, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Us too. Uh, you might know that they love to squeeze into tight spaces, but one on Vancouver Island got more than it bargained for, sparking a rather unique rescue mission. We'll explain after the break. If you opted for a live Christmas tree this year and are looking to properly dispose of it, you now can. Tree chipping events have been planned in the South Surrey area. Starting today, those wanting to dispose of their Christmas trees can bring them to the Semiamu Fish and Game Club, where organizers have set up in the parking lot. Donations received in the process will go towards building a new hatchery for the neighbouring Little Campbell River. We count the fish that are coming upstream every year. We mainly have coho and chinook fish that come up. This year, I think we had over 1,000 chinook, which is double the average run, and we had over 3,000 coho. From the fish that come up, we take um, a number of pairs of healthy fish, and we basically do what's called an egg take from them. So this year in the hatchery, we probably have right now about 130,000 eggs combined coho and chinook, and we grow them into the stage about little fry that we can then release back in the river. The club says the current hatchery is near the end of its lifespan due to flooding that has hit the area over the last few years. Well, the fire department in Port Alberni is used to putting themselves in dangerous situations like rushing into burning buildings, but today's assignment was a little different. A cat found itself stuck between two buildings downtown. After trying several times to free the feline, a pneumatic device was used to push the wall of one of the buildings back just far enough to free the cat. It was then lifted to safety. That's what I'd call a perfect rescue. Sorry, you would call it that. It. You would call it that. Had to do it. I guess the cat never even thanked them, which is just like a cat. Just ran away. Typical just ran cat. Away. Yeah. Just ran away. Went home. Yeah, yeah. thanks. No. Good things those uh, animals have nine lives. Yeah. They, they love doing stuff like that for no good reason. Um, Yvonne, one last quick look at weather. Uh, we're tracking a bit of shower activity. Drizzle will be overnight and taking us in towards tomorrow morning. If you've got New Year's Eve plans for the evening, it'll be dry. Temperatures will be sitting closer to 7 degrees. And then for our New Year's Day so far, some fog patches that'll dissipate. It looks to be dry as we kick things off for 2024. Okay, thanks so much for joining us. That's Global News. Good night.